The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten lepers met him. They stood at a distance from him and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, realizing he had been healed, returned, glorifying God in a loud voice. And he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said in reply, Ten were cleansed, were they not? Where are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? Then he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as you all know, Last, uh, last Saturday, we had a great time at our parish for the parish life of, of, our, of our parishioners. As you know, I mentioned before, we had a newly baby baptized, Edwin Manzo, a little guy. It was great. It's a beautiful thing. Then, of course, we had the Rousen wedding, or the Nord wedding, Annie and Derek, and that was a beautiful event. And in those two great cele- celebration, momentous occasions, everybody was smiling. Right. Everybody was happy, especially when that baby was, was baptized and then when Derek and, and Annie made their beautiful vows. Because in those two events, a new reality took hold, a new creation. Little baby Edwin, of course, now newly reborn, saved in Jesus Christ, washed away from original sin now, truly grafted onto the body of Christ. A new creation. And then Derek and Annie making those beautiful vows, creating a new Christian family united in the sacrament of matrimony. Something new. Everybody was smiling, both both families. But as we all know, all of the emotions and the joy of, of of those occasions will eventually wane. Right? They'll eventually wane. Edwin, that beautiful baby, beautiful baby, everyone's smiling, but guess what? He'll eventually grow up and become a teenager. Right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, the smiles and the joys of the parents will become replaced with what? Arguments and rebellion and fighting. Why? Because we all, that's all we all do. We all grow up become teenagers. 
And it's part of a rite of passage for us. We just argue with our parents, trying to establish our, our, our independence. It's part of the growing pains of life. And Derek and Annie, as we all know, a joyful moment. They were smiling. It was a beautiful thing. And then what happens? Just, just the, the trials and tribulations of married life comes. And the arguments come. And the fighting comes. It's, it's natural. But notice now, the emotion of the, of the original event, the baptism, the wedding, doesn't change the reality, does it? It doesn't change the reality. No matter how irritating Edwin becomes as a teenager or as a young adult, he will always be a baptized Catholic. Newly born, created in the image and likeness of God. Nothing will change that. Derek and Annie, regardless of the fighting that will come and the hardships of, of just life, nothing will change the fact that they are husband and wife. You see, we tend to, especially today in our culture, we tend to think that our emotions dictate reality. Don't we? Emotions are overrated, by the way. So when they're there, absolutely, they're great things. But it doesn't affect the reality. Nor do the external appearance of something. You know, Annie, when they were, when they were in Portola, when they got married, as we all know, Annie's a beautiful woman. Derek as well, handsome man, especially when they were all dressed up for the wedding. But then, as life goes on, they both grow old, right? Could you imagine a marriage based simply on emotion? A marriage based simply on looks? We all change externally. Emotions rise and fall. But the power of the reality remains unaffected. And in fact, it's a sign of maturity. In the first reading from the book of Kings, it's a great, great story with a prophet, Elisha, and a Gentile by the name of Naaman. Naaman wasn't a Jew. Preceding the, the reading that you heard is actually, I, I wish the whole, the whole reading was, was present. So what kind of led up to this encounter between Naaman and the prophet Elisha was that Naaman was a Syrian general afflicted with the disease of leprosy. And leprosy is an ugly, ugly disease. Right? If you've ever seen pictures of leprosy, luckily we don't see that as much today anymore. But leprosy, it causes disfigurement in the limbs. It starts at the, at, the, at the limbs and then it begins to eat away at you. And then the lesions come. And that's why, in fact, in, in, in the early days when someone was, was afflicted with leprosy, they would be sidelined, outcast. It was ugly, even just recently. I mean, that's why if you go to Hawaii, there's a whole leper colony that, that's, that still stands and I think there's about two lepers left on the island of Molokai. The Hawaiian government is just simply allowing them to live out their last days, to live out in peace. Because that's where they would send all of the lepers in this little island so they can die. And so Naaman was afflicted with this disease. And so he goes to the prophet Elisha and he asks Elisha that if his God would heal him, 
And so Elisha says, go to the Jordan River and bathe. And he scoffs at this idea. The Jordan River? Want me to bathe in that river? I have better rivers at home. There's a mighty Euphrates, right? If you think of the Euphrates as a wide river. In a sense, you kind of, kind of compare it. It's almost as if he says to him, go bathe in Smith Neck Creek, right? It's a, little, it's a little thing, isn't it? Compare it to the Truckee River. Massive. So, so Naaman is saying, why don't I just go to back to the Euphrates, this massive, magnificent river? That's more powerful. He says, no. Bathe in the Jordan. Because for Naaman, he thought power meant bigger, better, more beautiful, more emotion, right? That's the reality. Elisha said, no. Power doesn't come just through that. And he eventually relented and he bathed in the river seven times. And then what happens next? He said it comes out and his skin is like that of a baby. Smooth, beautiful again. And it takes that moment, all of a sudden he becomes converted now to the true God. Now jump through that and look at that powerful encounter with now with Jesus and again, the ten lepers. They see Jesus out in the distance and they begin to call out to him. Now notice the details of the gospel that was given to us. It said that Jesus was traveling through Samaria. And then later down, he says, the little details added, he was a Samaritan. The gospel writer is trying to underline here that as Samaritans, they are the foreigners. Remember, the Samaritans and the Jews did not like each other. The Samaritans were a crossbreed. You see, in the year 722, the Assyrians swept in and they conquered the northern tribes of Israel. Remember, there were 12 tribes, 10 up in the north, 2 in the south. They had separated. And so the Assyrians came out in 722, conquered the 10 tribes, took the vast majority of them into slavery, and the remaining remnants of the Jewish people mixed with the Assyrians. And so, and so the Samaritans became a quasi half Jew, half pagan, and so the Jews saw them and hated them because they saw them as traitors. That is why whenever you see Samaria, the Jews are always walking around it. Jews never associated with the Samaritans because they hated them. They were seen as unclean, foreigners. And so now you have ten lepers, and they see Jesus, and they yell out, Jesus, Jesus, have pity on us. Notice the next line, and hold on to this because I'll come back to it. Jesus says to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. Remember that, priests. And so they relented and they followed the words of Jesus and they turned around and they began to go to the priests, the Jewish priests. And then one is said, realizing that he was healed, turns around and goes back to Jesus. And it said that Jesus, when he got to him, that he fell at his feet, the leper. He fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. My friends, this posture, this falling at the feet of Jesus, is a posture of worship. This single leper recognized 
the power and the reality of Jesus Christ. While the other nine did not. Out of ten, one comes back to him. One. You see, we kind of think that somehow if we saw Jesus today, if we were alive back then, if we saw him, we would just fall out of his feet. Oh, it's Jesus. No. Jesus looked like everybody else at this time. Long hair, straggly beard, sandals, wearing a tunic. He looked like any other Jewish man at that age. But the single leper saw Jesus, saw beyond the emotion, saw beyond the external appearance of him, and penetrated the deeper reality. And he fell at his feet. And it says, gave thanks to him. One out of ten. In a sense, a 90% failure rate, isn't it? One. One. Why leprosy? When you read Leviticus, especially chapter 14... In, the, in Leviticus, the old law, it, it, it's pretty boring reading. If you ever had trouble sleeping, by the way, read Leviticus. It's just a bunch of laws and regulations. It's like reading a law book. It's boring. But in chapter 14, it, it outlines how lepers are to be treated, how they are to, to behave in, in the society. And in fact, leprosy can only be cured by God himself. Only by God. And so when Jesus now heals the ten... And he says in that beautiful line, he says, go show yourselves to the priests. Because it was the priest's duty, when lepers would come to them and they were, they were cleansed, they would, they would literally examine them from head to toe. Examine their body. And if they were cleansed, the priests would welcome them back into the community again. Back into right worship with God. Now notice the parallel. Now, this is the Old Testament. Now, jump to the New. If you remember in John 20, chapter, John 20, verse 23, Jesus now was gathered with the 12 apostles. And it says, Jesus, that he, he breathes on them. In a, in a beautiful account, it says he breathes on them. Rucha, that same word, the word to breathe, echoes the same word from Genesis. When God breathes into Adam, right? The same, the same word is used when Jesus breathes on the apostles. And the first thing that Jesus gives now his new priests, he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Those whose sins you forgive are forgiven, and those whose sins you retain are retained. At that moment, the sacrament of confession is created. Why that first event? Why, why, why the first thing that Jesus gives them is the ability to forgive sins? Christ reveals it. He says, just as the Father has sent me, so I send you now into the world in order to cure a disease which is much worse than physical leprosy, but rather spiritual leprosy. You see, there's a sickness that we all bear, all of us do, and it's sin. All of us bear it. All of us do. And God knows this, and he has provided the way for us to be cleansed now of this, of this spiritual, this figurement that we all bear. And that is why now, our Lord now, it's a beautiful parallel. Just as Christ now said in the Old Testament, 
It says, go and show yourself to the priest, following the old law. Christ now, who instituted the new covenant, sends out his priests to, be clean, to clean those now entrusted to them. You know, my, my biggest desire as your priest, as your shepherd, as your pastor, is your holiness. I want you to be the best Christians you can be, not just nice people. No. We are called to be holy. We are called to be saints. We are called to be set on fire with the Holy Spirit and to transform our world. And that, my friends, is holiness, sainthood. That's, our, that's the bar we're called to live. We're not called to live mediocre Christian lives, half here, half there, lukewarm and mediocre. Plenty of Christians like that. Not for us. We're called, I'm called to be a holy priest, not a mediocre half priest. Plenty of those around. And that, my friends, comes through the cleansing power of the sacrament of confession. I want you to come to confession regularly. Regularly. And I know it takes an act of faith. Why? Because on the outside, whenever you go to a priest, it's just a man in front of you, isn't it? It's just a regular guy in front of you. And you see, oh, that guy's going to forgive my sins? Yes. But I don't like the priest. That priest is irritating. That priest is long-winded. It gives long homilies. He's going to forgive my sins? Yes. Even with all our imperfections. In the seminary, if you ever go to the Vatican, you go to St. Peter's Basilica, you know, it's the biggest church in the world. Whenever you go there, you, you can go to confession because they have priests there that are always there, right on the side, on the right side of St. Peter's Basilica. They have all these different confessionals. And outside of the confessionals, they have signs of the language that the priests speak. It's pretty cool, because they know it's, it's an international place. So it'll say Polish, Mandarin, Slovakian, it'll just Spanish, Portuguese. It's pretty amazing the languages these guys speak. But we all knew, all the seminarians knew when we, were, we all lived there. There was one confessional that said English. It was an Irish priest. We never went to him. <laughs> Why? Because if you did, he would yell at you. No matter what. He'd yell at you. And so whenever we had visitors, we'd say, oh, don't, don't go to that guy just because he speaks English. No, no, find somebody else. Could he would sit there and berate you and you would just have to kneel there. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. But amazingly, my sins were still forgiven. When I, I'll go to Reno to, to go to confession because obviously it's by myself. One particular day I went to confession. I won't say where or which parish it was. But this priest lectured me for an hour. And I'm sitting there, he's like, Father, please, I'm hungry. I want to get out of here. <laughs> Gotta go, it's lunchtime, gotta go. But he just, he just dug into me for an hour. I didn't even do that, that bad of a sin, if I recall. <laughs> and I was irritated, frustrated at him. But at the end of the day, once he says those, those words, and I absolve you from your sins, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as irritating as that priest was, as Catholics we used to go to confession a lot more you know all the priests will tell me back in the 60s and 70s they'd just be lines 
lines of, of, of people waiting to go to confession. Nowadays, it's, it's hit or miss. Why is that? I mean, there's, there, there's different reasons why, but I think fundamentally one of the reasons why is that we've kind of lost a sense of, of the impact of sin in our lives. That we don't think it's that bad. Oh, I'm, I'm okay, right? You're okay, I'm okay. hate that line, by the way, because we're not okay. And some of us do bad things. I do bad things. And we must be cleansed of it. If you haven't been to confession in a while, come. As priests, we'll walk you through it. Don't worry about it. If a priest yells at you, so be it. I won't yell at you. I promise. But it takes faith. Why? Just like Naaman, just like this one single leper, they had to first recognize that they were sick. Right? They had to first recognize, uh-oh, I got leprosy. I need help. And they went to Jesus now humbly, and they bowed. And they said, Jesus, have pity on us. That is why whenever you come to confession, my brothers and sisters, I'm always at, I'm always at awe. Because I know the act of humility that it takes for you to kneel down before another human being and to confess your sins. But that is why Christ comes, is to forgive us. And God will not force himself on us. He waits at the door and knock. And we have to open it up. So if there's anything to take away from this homily, my friends, come to confession. Stop carrying around that garbage. Stop carrying around your leprosy. And become like this leper. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.